This is the Monology Podcast. Mallow County, Ohio. It's my home. With your host, Mike and Joey. All right, Mike. Well, it is that time again to start talking about what's going on. What's going on? On, on, on. 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 <laughs> All right. That's about enough of that. All right. So what's going on here in Morrow County this week? Johnsville Firefighters drive through Fish Fry is Saturday the 27th at 4 p.m. And it goes until, well, the fish are is gone, right? Right. Until the fish swim upstream. Until they're gone. And that is located at the fire department there, 7478 County Road 242 in Johnsville. And that is where the old school used to be. Sorry, beat you to it, Mike. <laughs> fish, coleslaw, french fries, hush puppies, or a chicken nugget <laughs> meal in place of the fish. Now, now, what time do you say that starts again? That starts at 4 p.m. 4 p.m., okay. Yes. So before that, here's something for you to do. The Share Your Family Treasure oh, yes. is uh, is going to be happening at on Glory, at 2 o'clock. Glory Baptist Church. The Glory Baptist right Church. Right there on the hill as you come out of uh, Mount Gilead on 42. Yes. Yeah, so, oh, 61, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, you're headed the wrong direction. <laughs> um, yeah, so that is at 2 o'clock. Bring a quilt, a, a family photo, maybe uh, some love letters found when you were cleaning out a grandparent's uh, home, or maybe it's just a story that you've been told. Bring that and share they would love to hear it that's at two o'clock so go from that straight to the johnsville fire department to get some yummy delicious fried fish uh red cross our friend mike vance he's still looking for volunteers oh yes he is and uh mike and i are going to try to get mike on soon to uh discuss what it is the red cross does uh, and because they do a ton of stuff. There is literally a lot of locally. Uh, so it's not just uh, disaster stuff and not blood related. There's a lot of other stuff. Uh, one interesting thing on the blood drive, so you can get a test for your antibodies to see if you have had COVID in the past. You know, they test your blood anytime that you are going to uh, provide blood, you know, as a donation. They test it for many, 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 many different diseases and such. The newest one is COVID antibodies, and they will let you know if you have the antibodies, and that will Mm -hmm. tell you that you have had COVID, have had exposure, and that your body has fought it off. You may know, you may not know. Here's another interesting point, Mike. Governor DeWine just this last week announced that as of March 29th, anyone 16 and older will be able to get the vaccine. Wow, 16 and older. That's a that's a big uh, jump in, in age. Yeah, this this week, uh, this past week here, it was 40 and over, as well as folks with cancer and some other things they could get the vaccine. So uh, call the health department. Again, that uh, information is online. Get your vaccine, folks. Let's get back to normal. Let's lose these masks, and uh, let's see our friends and family again. Again. Oh, the OSU um, Extension Office for Morrow County has an All About Roses class on the 23rd of March at 6 p.m. And also, oh, here's a new one, Mike. On the 27th of March at 10 a.m., the Gilead Christian School is having a craft and vendor show. Oh, yes. And that was a new one, and I was kind of surprised that they were um, able to do that. Did you know which campus that? I don't. It did not say, but I wanted to get it out there because, you know, we obviously, many have not been able to go to those uh, those type of, of things there. So anyway, Mike, before we go today, I did want to share one thing with you. The Beck and Joey cartoon. So last week we didn't talk about it, but Beck and Joey this week by Mark Johnson. I, I, and of course right now I'm not seeing this week's, this week's, but I wanted to go back to one, February 14th. Okay, Mike, it has, (laughs) 
two skin tags, okay? Like you would okay. find, okay? Yeah. And I have some it has one poking the other and says, you're it. Playing skin tag. Get it? Get it? Get it. Okay. I got it. In the words of our friend Ken, that was two-thirds of a pun. P-U. <laughs> yeah, I agree. This week's Morrow County Flashback brought to you by the Morrow County Historical Society. Well, this week, uh, for the uh, history portion of the show, I'm going to read an article that was written by James Miller called In the Beginning There Was Land. Uh, this had shown up in the Morrow County Sentinel of January 7th, 1998, page 5. So listen up. After the Revolutionary War, the United States found itself in the inevitable position of having huge debts and no money. The government's main assets were in the millions of acres of land in the Northwest Territory. Of that area, the Ohio Territory was the first land to be settled. Before the federal government could sell these public lands, Indian claims to the land had to be settled and the land surveyed. The Continental Congress passed the Land Ordinance of 1785 that authorized the land west of the Ohio River to be surveyed into townships of six square miles containing 36 sections of one square mile or 650 acres each. Survey teams would begin at the Pennsylvania border and move west into the Ohio country. The survey parties were comprised of six to ten men. Except for Indian captives, they were the first white men to see the trackless forest land. Their equipment was a circumferentor or compass, the theodolite, to measure vertical and horizontal angles, and a gunter's chain of 100 lengths or 66 feet. The surveyor's assistants were the chainmen who worked in pairs to measure the distance between survey points. The surveyor's field notebook was indispensable because it contained the diagrams, computations, and descriptions of each survey's boundaries. Each section corner was described in the field notes in the following manner, i.e., located at a walnut or maple or beech tree, etc. The survey party then buried a wooden stake and placed a rock on edge or on end over the stake. According to Mike McLean of Morrow County Engineer's Office, some surveyors carried pieces of broken pottery to place in the soil around the rock to help the future landowners find his property line. By modern standards, this system of mapping the land would seem haphazard. Today, the cutting edge of technology in electronic measuring is the use of information from the U.S. government's global positioning satellite. During the harvest season, as Mike Linder moves across across one of his cornfields, the software in his Green Star computer system on his John Deere combine records his location in the field within three meters. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is the Mike Linder that lives in Edison. Yes, that Mike Linder, yes. Wow, okay. Okay. Any more questions? No, that's it. Thank okay. you. Okay. Linder Farms are located on both sides of Boundary Road, north of Edison. If Mike wanted to check the land description of the property, he would find the original owner's deed recorded in the Marion County Courthouse because his land was part of Marion County when it was originally surveyed. Mike would also find that their land east of Boundary Road was surveyed about 15 years before their land west of the road. In 1796, the new United States Congress was faced with rebellious war veterans seeking the bounty land promised them as compensation for their services during the Revolutionary War. They ordered a 2539000 
110-acre tract of land known as the United States Military Tract surveyed in the Ohio Territory to settle these obligations. Land boundaries were issued in multiples of five depending on a soldier's rank. All non-commissioned officers and enlisted men received 100 acres. The politicians who were not surveyors then discovered the six square mile township divisions wouldn't work well with the land bounty divisions. The Greenville Treaty Line was established as the northern boundary of the U.S. Military District in August 1797, and the actual surveying of the military track was started. These tracks would be surveyed in five square mile townships containing four sections of 4,000 acres each. Back east, land speculators had a field day purchasing land bounties for extremely low prices from cash-strapped veterans. Jonathan Dayton, a signer of the U.S. Constitution, was a speculator, and he acquired title to over 64,000 acres of bounty land. Included in this land was 4,000 acres in Section 3 of what is now Bennington Township. All of the land in Morrow County south of the Greenville Treaty Line was part of the U.S. Military Tract Survey. On July 4, 1805, the Indians in the Treaty of Fort Industry ceded all land between the Western Reserve and the United States Military Tract westward to the Meridian, 120 miles from the Pennsylvania Line. When the surveyors finished their work, the new boundary for Indian lands was a line running north from the Greenville Treaty Line to the Firelands. As prospective land buyers came to the area, their maps prominently showed the Indian boundary, a trail or wagon road boundary, as it was called, and it became the modern-day Boundary Road, or Morrow County Road 9. I thought that's where you were headed with that. Yeah, so um, there's a little bit of history on how Boundary Road got its uh, name and uh, the part that this part of the country played in paying back um, soldiers for their service in the Revolutionary War. And that is the rest of the story. All right, Mike, so last week I teased you with a little bit of a, what I like to call, corn salad. Mm-hmm. And I remember that. I haven't tried it yet. No, because I didn't give you the recipe yet. So okay, that's it's why. super easy. You can get literally a bag of frozen corn, mm-hmm. and it depends on the size, how much you want to make. But we get the smaller bags that you can actually just toss in the microwave. Here's the recipe. I don't follow it. I eyeball it and taste test it. I think okay. that's the real tried and true thing, right? For a, a That's good a real cook. cook. Yeah, that's a real cook. A chef, Joe, is not. Anyway, um, four cups of fresh or frozen corn, one cup of cherry tomatoes cut in half. Ooh, okay. A third of a cup of crumbled feta and there are several different types of feta that you can get some that are like tomato basil and others Um, we like the plain feta Uh, a quarter cup of red onion finely chopped that's very important that that red onion is very important for the taste Um, a quarter cup of basil I think that's too much. So we just use, we have a live basil plant. Yeah, basil is pretty strong. It is. It really, really is. And so when I first did this, I was like, whoa, that's too much because we want fresh basil. We don't want basil that's been in a can. I think that's probably why you have to use so much there. But anyway, three tablespoons of extra virgin olive oil, the juice of one lime or the concentrated juice or lemon juice you can even use, kosher salt, I'm sorry, freshly ground black pepper. So take the corn, dump it into a bowl, and then you're going to add in all of the items. And I always throw the olive oil in first on top of corn. That way I can throw all the pepper and salt and stuff in. And it sticks. Yeah. And it gets it nice and mixed up. 
it. Now, if you make it with the corn that's frozen, make sure you thaw it. If you forgot to get it out, like happens to us frequently, we will actually put it in a colander and rinse it with cold water until it's thawed and then throw it into the bowl after it's oh, dried real well. Okay, okay. And then and then we go. We don't my wife and I don't like tomatoes, but our three kids love tomatoes, so they get their tomatoes on the side. Okay. We don't put it in there. Um, but you know, quickly throw it all, mix it all together. Fantastic snack. You can actually serve it with tortilla chips oh, if you wow, would like. Okay. Or just as a side salad. Now with me, I don't like onions, so I'd probably leave the onion out. Oh, the onion just adds a whole nother taste. <laughs> yes, it does. All right, special guest this week is Mayor Jamie Brecker from Mount Gilead. Hello, thank you for having me. Not a problem. It's actually, uh, you're our first guest this on this uh, Monoology podcast. We actually were going to hold off on guests until we get into the new space. Recording studio? Recording studio, yes, yes. Nice. All right, well, I asked you here to ask you some questions and see just how you fare. This is your, you just closed up your first year as mayor. Mm-hmm. And what a first year it was. I mean, you had a pretty good run of, what, um, a month and a half, two months? Yeah, and then, bam, COVID. <laughs> global pandemic hit. Yeah. So um, what has your first year taught you? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing that I've learned is just to go with the flow, um, that there will be information overload throughout the course of uh, your tenure. And you just continue to read and continue to make decisions that you are, feel are best uh, for the greatest portion of your jurisdiction, in this case, the village of Mount Gilead. So I just kept reading and reading and reading all this information from about the pandemic and what we needed to do as mayors and what we needed to do um, in regards to our parks and recreations areas, how we needed to conduct our meetings, that they could still be open to the public. And, and Well, so, that was probably a change because previously you had been a um, councilman. Correct. And so you went councilman two years and then mayor? Correct, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you weren't completely new but there's you, a lot of changes yeah yeah, yeah i went from from just being in the room and uh, contributing to actually having to run the meetings because as mayor you serve as chairman essentially of council and so they do all the voting in the policy setting and and i just run the meeting and act as the executive branch so so you're like um, the local president correct yeah yes so yeah. do we should we I, I wish i could find hail to the chief i would play that <laughs> for this section that's okay <laughs> <laughs> that's all right so I have a couple other questions here I want to ask you. So uh, what would you say is the greatest accomplishment so far in your term? I'd say um, there's a couple of things that stand out for me. Any opportunity that I've been able to help be a part of to, to create something for the public to get involved in during this pandemic has been a huge success for me. Um, and so early on, um, before the pandemic even hit, I was working um, with local businesses to try to create sidewalk cafe ordinance. And so after the pandemic hit, we kind of sped up that process. That's one thing I'm, I'm proud of that I was able to introduce an ordinance to council. They approved it. It came to fruition relatively quickly with the patio at the end zone bar and grill. Yes. With our, our local Joe Long working with him. And um, it was really neat to, to be a part of that process from start to finish and to see that through. You know, a couple other things that really stood out for me was um, being able to provide the senior banners for the Mount Gilead graduating class of 2020. I just knew that their experience in high school was a lot different than our experiences because they went through a pandemic, you know, something that we haven't seen in, in a while. Yeah. And um, and so it's just be able, it was neat to be able to, to create that and to honor them, give them something um, kind of special, you know, make make it kind of special for them. 
and so I worked with the school and we were able to accomplish that, able to accomplish the uh, parade, um, although we didn't call it a parade at the time because we weren't allowed to issue parade permits. It was a processional uh, through the village for their graduation. So it's just really neat to be able to accomplish that. And then, you know, the other crowning achievement of 2020 for me was was being able to take on the fireworks display from creating a show to soliciting funds to doing all the permits location, site selection, everything from start to finish. It was just a really neat process for me. I was able to watch the fireworks with my parents, uh, which was kind of cool. Have my dad be proud of me to take on that project and finish it through. That was pretty cool for 2020 for me. So. Well, in a year that was I mean, basically a, a total crap shoot, you know, fireworks weren't going to happen. Right. And you picked it up and you ran with it Correct. and got, uh, I believe... $10,000. Yeah. The public which, donated $10,000. Which was more than what they had originally been for, correct? Correct. Usually our shows in Mount Gilead were like the $6,000 to $6,500 range, and they were put on by the fair board. You know, that year they decided not to do it because of the pandemic. It was something that their board felt they weren't able to accomplish with all the stipulations and guidelines. And, and so I started working quickly with the health department to try to create a safe environment. And, and create a show that was best for distancing, and that's what we accomplished. So that's fantastic. Cool. From what I heard, it was a fantastic uh, fireworks, probably some of the best you know that we've had. Um, I could not see them in Florida, which is where I was at the time, <laughs> yeah. so I apologize for that. Um, next question here is, are there any projects that are coming that you want to or can share? Yeah, a couple cool things for the private sector. We do have... Uh, one new house being built currently in the build stage, which is kind of cool. Um, I was worried with the construction costs going through the roof because of the pandemic that we wouldn't see um, building. We also have potentially two lots in contract um, also for residential use. However, I know one of the properties are probably going to have to wait until costs come back down. Um, but there could potentially be three new housing starts, um, which is kind of cool. Of course, everybody's noticed HPM coming down. Yeah. And um, I, I can say in regards to HPM, there is a site selector that is very good at what he does. It is a, is a he. It's a gentleman. Um, he's got a list of clients that he's interested in, in sharing uh, that property once it's cleaned up with um, a couple of his clients. We don't know who they are. There's that you know, client. You so know, it's a mystery. So you don't like know. Privilege. Yeah. So we really don't know. Um, the village has provided all the details that we could, um, what kind of utilities we can provide, what kind of water we can provide, what kind of sewer we can take on, trash, security, fire, all that kind of stuff. We made sure we were able to provide those uh, statistics to the county, who's also working with the site selector. And I know the commissioners are, are working hard with, uh, with that site selector, um, just as they did with like the Dollar Tree. Um, distribution warehouse. Um, of course, we have a credit union, Pillar Credit Union, um, that broke ground already and uh, will be up and running here soon. Um, that and that's is, right across uh, from Taco Bell, which is another newbie. Correct. And, and Dunkin', Dunkin Donuts, Donuts right yep. there. Nice. So um, that traffic will be coming in from Meadow Drive, so there will not be another curb cut right there. I know a lot of people are worried about the congestion, and, and so are we. Um, as of right now, I don't know if it's because of the pandemic or not, but we're not seeing as much congestion in that area. And something that we've always looked at is traffic reports, and there just aren't a lot of traffic reports in that area, too. So while it is congested at times, it's still not a dangerous area. As long as you take your time to get through there and, and be mindful of others coming in and out of traffic there, things can run smoothly. It's not ideal. I, you know, Ideally, we'll, we'll later on down the road do some major traffic control and major traffic changes in that area. Um, but right now, it's just not economically feasible. 
Um, we do have a couple other uh, businesses already established that are looking to expand. They've gotten some permits um, to expand and, and um, they're already existing companies, but because they're expanding, it should bring a few new jobs to the area as well. Nice. So that's kind of exciting. So we'll see. So you mentioned uh, fire and security. So you just named a new police chief. Correct. Officer Adam Lakey was promoted to uh, chief of police for the village of Mount He's been with us uh, now for a decade. Our previous uh, chief, Zerman, as well as our captain, Underwood, uh, both of them retired within a month. So there's a lot of experience that retired. Two new officers, and we're getting ready to hire a third um, when I say new officers, they're new full-time for us. One of them went from part-time to full-time, so he's a familiar face on our police department. But it is exciting that we should be getting back up to pre-what they call Great Recession, so pre-2008 levels of staffing. We've been at six officers. Hopefully this will get us to a seventh, which allows us to get back into um, better detective work and those types of things by having more people to cover shifts and, and such. So just another question here for you. Uh, what is... What is something about Mount Gilead that you want people to know that they may not know? Sure. Um, a lot of the businesses that come to Mount Gilead come because they're seeking to be there and be a part of our community. Um, a lot of people think that we go out and solicit like Dunkin' Donuts, you know, and they say, well, why didn't you bring an Arby's in? Well, these are people that want to come here to establish their businesses. And while they might be a big name, Generally, there's a few people behind those companies that are more independently owned. So they're franchisees owners. These mm -hmm. are people that might not be from this community, but they're still small, small time, small mom pop people. They're just choosing to use a big name. We don't actively try to solicit any businesses. I don't want to, I don't want to create competition for our existing, you know, but I do know that it's going to come and I try to be welcoming to those that come. And, and so that's one thing. The other thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is um, through the pandemic that our fire department became EMS certified. It does not mean that they're running a squad. However, what it means is that when they show up on scene now in their fire engine, if our firefighters are also paramedics, that they can start to treat you if you're having a heart attack or if you're having a stroke, they can actually start to perform some basic medicine. And in both of those instances that you just talked about, Jamie, minutes count Correct. for those. those Correct. Just those two alone, minutes count. So mm -hmm. that is awesome. Yeah, and it's been no additional cost to the village. Because of the, the virus, we did get um, about $400,000 in coronavirus money and stimulus money. A lot of that money was used in our fire um, department because of it being a pandemic um response, an active response to um, a health crisis. And so we were able to get, you know, a lot of our initial fee for that service covered through that. So it costs nothing to the village, which Fantastic. is just exciting. That is exciting, especially when moments count. So what do you want to, um, you know, what would you like to see in the short term future for Morrow County? Sure. My, my favorite thing to say when people ask me, what's going on with Mount Gilead? Why, you know, why is one part of the county growing more so than the other? And my favorite thing to respond to is we all need to grow together. And so when you talk about the entire county, we need to, to balance each other's strengths and weaknesses. So if, if one area is growing faster, say, in business sector, you know, you have Cardington as you talk, you know, that's huge for them. And I'm grateful that they have that, you know, but maybe we need to step up and provide more services. So while people might be working their job there, they're coming maybe up here for insurance needs or food needs, you know. And so um, we need to focus on on kind of creating a balance throughout the throughout the county. 
Um, not one area should succeed more than any other area. You know, we all need to grow together. And, um, and so I hope for the county, we, we continue to see a lot of growth down in the southern part of the county as people move north. It just happens. I, I think we've been reactionary on that growth. And so we've kind of in helter-skelter mode where it's like, well, what do we know? What do we know about breaking up lots and, and allowing easements and, and double shared drives and septic systems per you know acre and all that kind of stuff. And I, and I hope that we can, as we grow, start to plan for the future better. And so I've been focusing in Mount Gilead, trying to make sure that we can get our subdivision regulations up and going because we do have home builders wanting to create another subdivision. You know, there's Whoa. been requests and we're kind of like, well, we really need to make sure our subdivision regulations are in place before you do that because a lot of our stuff was set back in the 50s and 60s. So even when like, the uh, new d- yeah, subdivision was put yeah. in, that, so you know, like we'll road still requirements, call, yeah. um, and, and the diagrams on how we want our roads built is way different than what the standard is today. And so that's something we are working on. Um, and I think it's, it's I, I feel like it's the same problem throughout the county that everywhere kind of wasn't necessarily ready for the expansion. And it's here. And, and so we have to be somewhat reactionary, but also there are certain communities like Mount Gilead are, are not quite seeing the same growth as the, the South is, but we can learn from that and be better prepared for when we do see that growth. Um, and then also just anytime there's a business interested in Mara County, we need to be as supportive as possible and see if we can provide the necessary items they're asking for, whether it's infrastructure or something, because yes, there's an initial cost up front for us to put in that stuff. Um, and, and a lot of it can be sub um, granted and everything and not just out of our pockets as, um, taxpayers, you know, eventually I think, uh, we'll definitely see our, our, the growth and, and we need to be as receptive as possible. Fantastic. So parting thought here, and I totally appreciate you coming in and being on the Marology podcast. Um, what's a parting thought you want to leave us all with? What do you, you know, what are your hopes, dreams for the next year, you know, mm-hmm. or even through 2021? So there's a lot of people that have been coming to me uh, talking about creating events. You know, there's been nothing to do because of the pandemic. So we have people coming up with different 5K ideas, um, different tournament styles, whether it's, you know, kickball, softball. Um, our parks and recs are working on on creating a new master plan for, for Mount Gilead and the green spaces that we have as parks. Um, you know, a big issue that we have is our pool. And we do have a committee um, designed to to evaluate and, and move forward on that. But there's so much more to our parks and recs. And so my challenge, I think, for our community, whether it's if you live in Mount Gilead or if you come to Mount Gilead um, and anywhere in, in the county is, is just get involved. Um, these events take manpower. It takes people wanting to participate, wanting to help um, create these neat things. It, it, it often falls on one or two people and, and they get burnt out. And, um, and so that's when we lose our festivals and and all these cool things that we're so used to doing. And so my challenge to everybody is to, to challenge yourself to get out, get involved, join an organization, and participate actively in your community because that's how, when we're all working together, some really cool things can happen. All right, that's Jamie Brucker, mayor of Mount Gilead, for the first time here on Marology. Jamie, I hope to have you back on the podcast soon. I love that. And, uh, you know... Best wishes to the rest of your your term here, 
And uh, let's hope that uh, COVID-19 is in the rearview mirror and everything is in the future and we get to, you know, get together again and, and have the 5Ks and the parties and, the, you know, the events. Thank you for having me and I hope to come back soon. Did you notice that we don't have any ads on our podcast? If you're interested in having your business here, email us at marology at gmail.com.